Welcome to Swiftly Spoken, a fan-made Taylor Swift podcast in which we break down her lyrics, deep dive into full album retrospectives, and theorize about what may be coming next. As always, we are your hosts Cameron and Lisa. So this week we're going to be a bit creative and design a sort of family tree out of Taylor's discography by mapping out the connections between her 10 studio albums. So this is actually an idea that we discussed in our previous episode, but we had had on the back burner for quite a long time, but we got very excited about doing it. And basically what we're going to be doing is, as Cameron said, making like a family tree or somehow like a flow chart in the sense of we want to be mapping out which albums only exist thanks to other albums or which albums we think are related due to their themes, their lyrics, the sound of them, how two albums may come together to combine into what we think is another album. It's, it's going to make sense as we go through them and we're going to be discussing like what kind of links that make up the map that we've made, which does yes. look a bit convoluted, but we will be going through it. So the idea in itself stems from... Taylor describing Folklore and Evermore as sisters. They're like sister albums, which is an interesting thought if you think about it in the in like her discography, how she's always carved out very specific topics, very specific themes, aesthetics for each album to then go ahead and make them all connected. It's quite an interesting exercise. Mm. It was fun to do, to be honest with you. Yeah, it definitely was. And it was interesting how, as you said, yeah, Taylor's always almost basically killed off whatever version of herself created the previous mm. so for her to extend extend it and almost make the album after the previous one be a continuation and intrinsically linked sonically thematically visually is was just so vastly different but then actually when you then look at the albums as much as she tried there was always going to be an element of what came before that influenced what then came after you know that that would be impossible whether it be you know the same story that was being told or some of right. the lyricism or you know perspective she was looking at and especially with then midnights that was even more of an example of going back at and looking at previous midnights of her life and therefore previous songs and stuff that she's spoken or written about and then writing it from a new perspective that also intrinsically ties them all back up together so even though it often seems like eras are very distinct i think that actually from doing this we've realized that they actually all merge into each other and that you know debut links to that one and this one and you know we'll all get into it but it's quite interesting how when you do look at it they seem to link more than maybe they initially let on or we would think Right. And it obviously it makes sense that every album is kind of, it's, it's one person's discography in the end, but it was still a very yes. fun exercise to delve into Taylor's discography in order to see not just that evolution, but also connections between old music and new music that, you know, have many, many years in between them and still can have a type of connection. And how it all comes together to make this tapestry of work. I don't know. We'll go through it. You guys can let us know if you think we're crazy, if you think these ideas make sense, how you would organize your own. We're calling it a family tree, but really it is just like a mapping out of her whole discography and the relations between each album. But yeah, let us know what you think. And if you do want to see what we're talking about on screen as we go speaking about it, then do check out this episode over on YouTube because as we go mentioning each album, it will all be up on the screen so you can kind of follow the flow that we're going through and the connections that are being weaved. Um, but yeah, we hope you enjoy it because we had a lot of fun discussing it. And with that, I think we should get into one of the most interesting revelations, which is the album we're going to start with, the big album, really. This is the album that connects most, if not all of them. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because obviously it isn't It isn't what started. You maybe think that the one that would link everything is potentially debut because obviously that was the one that kicked off her career and obviously everything's followed since. But we've actually categorised Red as, in the family tree, the kind of mother of all albums, as cringe as that sounds. Yeah, she is but... mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But we've kind of put red at the, the top of the family tree, yeah, and yeah, and linked everything off of that. Yeah, it's incredibly interesting for me because it is her fourth album. We have had a big discussion about fourth albums, how they sometimes are cursed because of where they sit in a singer's or a songwriter's discography. Uh, if you think about it, you know we've had three establishing albums, and for this one to be 
the main album is so interesting because it doesn't just connect to the previous ones it also glances towards the future and what's coming next and not only that what's coming a long time after that but no i definitely mm. think i used to be like because obviously in this in the swifty fandom a lot of people do feel that red is their favorite album is taylor's big album we also always joke about it being taylor's favorite album I do think it is yes. one of her favorites for sure, but yes. I never considered it that. I was like, Red, I love Red, don't get me wrong. But I, it was never like, in my eyes, the most important album. But I do feel like after doing all of this, I haven't given it enough credit as being a really, really staple, a staple in mm. her discography for yeah. sure, for sure. Oh, 100% and an essential. And I think, I think one thing, I've always been a Red lover, like you know that and anyone that's probably listened for a while knows that Red for me is my favorite Taylor Swift album. Um, so I've always, always, always loved Red. And one thing I've always thought about is if someone came to me and was like, give me one Taylor Swift album. Yeah. So that if someone wanted one Taylor Swift album so that they knew what Taylor Swift's music was like, and you know, right. all they'd really been exposed to is the hits. I feel like Red is the one that you would give them okay. because it does show every kind of facet and we'll get into that but mm -hmm. every facet of taylor's career whether it be the big pop hits the more slower kind of melancholy ones the song singer songwriter ones just everything country pop it just it really does kind of encompass all elements of taylor's career and i think that red is a very good one to show people of this is you know this is what taylor swift is about yeah so i think it makes sense why in the end that red is kind of everything births off of it in this family tree Definitely. And that's also a really interesting point that you brought up about showing someone. If you guys do have friends that are a bit like, not sure how to get into Taylor, this could be a good flowchart for that. Like if you if to get into Taylor, let's start with red. If you enjoyed red, mm. you can go down this route, this route, this route. So that's actually an interesting thing to keep in mind as we go through these albums as well. Yeah, definitely. Because if, if, if you're more drawn towards the pop element, you can go this way. If you are more drawn towards the more kind of singer songwriter songs, you can go this way or country. You know, yeah, I think that Red is quite a good way to work out maybe what you might enjoy a listener would be looking for or enjoy. Right. Yeah, in terms yeah. Of music. it has a bit of everything. Yeah, very eclectic. We've always said that, that's for sure. Mm. But then I guess spanning from Red, we have basically made three major arrows that are like the important ones, the three <laughs> ways that you can go in Taylor's discography. And those basically signify the country of it all, the pop world, and then the indie, the indie world that she eventually explores down the line, right? So first, I guess, if we're going a bit like in chronological order in some way, from Red, we have one of the major lines, like I just said, which is towards the country elements. So if, like you said, like if you listen to Red and you're finding that you're really enjoying more of those Nashville songs, the country elements of those songs, then you could explore this part of the tree, which is basically the country the country branch, should we call it. So from Red, we directly go to Debut. I do think Red and Debut are very much related. It's funny to put the arrow going this way instead of the other way, because obviously yeah. Debut did come first. But again, this isn't really chronological. This is just how we feel they're connected. But yeah, some of Taylor's best country work, in my opinion, is on Red and is very much related to some of the best country work that you can find on debut there is no all too well without cold as you but cold as you exists in the same conversation as those track five country deep rooted lyricism elements you know that go so well with all too well so yeah i definitely feel the relation exactly. is, is there how do you feel oh yeah 100 percent. like you said things like you know i almost do better man wouldn't exist without things like tim mcgraw and tied together with the smile um i think that yeah that kind of songwriter and country really sad country kind of vibe basically is you know began with debut and i think that then off of debut obviously we're kind of linking it as the kind of country that's you know birthing off of red obviously thematically and just chronologically off of debut then does come fearless i think fearless mm -hmm. is a continuation of debut the eras themselves merged within each other there wasn't really a very clear distinct sonic thematic or visual change really to be honest mm. um, i think that with hindsight it seems like there is but definitely at the time and i think no they were pre was, like yeah the, the, the taylor's version they were yeah. was very similar her, the visuals very similar mm. her name was exactly the same font it wasn't how yeah. things were nowadays like if you look at her no. style it's just a continuation a little bit of an evolution but 
much more of a continuation yeah i agree i agree exactly and yeah and i think fearless it was more just you know just naturally her songwriting had improved they delved a little bit more into the kind of pop sound and sensibilities a bit more but it is a direct continuation off of debut and without debut there would be no fearless and fearless songs were literally but lots of them were written during the debut yep. period anyway and, cut and especially from with debut, the addition some of them yeah mm. yeah ironically and then the addition of the vault as well mm-hmm. most of those are pre-debut as well so for, for me fearless is kind of a child of debut 100% in the family tree it comes off of debut as a child yeah. directly straight down definitely and in that same sense that uh, we then have from fearless speak now again it makes sense to kind of like put these three together in like this flow because they are the country albums the main mm. three pure m- mostly purely country we'll get into speak now and some particularities of fearless as later on but yeah no fearless kind of does give birth to speak now again uh, and it's connected to debut because sparks fly is there you know yes exactly yes yes although i do feel like there isn't a big evolution now again oh if we look back the style there it isn't so clear cut as yes. we see it now there was still a no, continuation no. of her aesthetic it was just her growing oh, 100%. up 100 percent. yeah yeah 100 percent. and the, the you know again font wise was still the same mm-hmm. hair was still basically identical tall outfits were still very similar with the kind of like sparkly flappery dresses and you know guitar um and it was all very similar. It's still very fairy tale. I know that often lots of people describe kind of Speak Now's aesthetic as this kind of like, you know, gold frames and fairy tale. That was also very much fearless when you think of Love Story, mm. the performances on tour were, you know, this gorgeous kind of fairy tale romance. And that was still very similar with Speak Now, just with more maturity. But I, it is a, it is for me still a continuation and again, wouldn't exist without Fearless. Um, obviously, sonically, it did kind of grow. There is Definitely. a real difference yes. between them and lyrically and stuff like there is a massive maturity. But I still think it's a child of, but the child has kind of developed its own interests. It's funny um, because in a way... Had more life, ex- different life experience. Yeah, in a way... You know, you have debut and feelers, which are like very, very more linked than I feel either of them are to speak now. And speak now is kind mm. of like the teenager, if you will. <laughs> She's yeah. kind of angst. Yeah. She doesn't want to be here. <laughs> and again, exactly. get into another big connection as we go along, because I feel like mm. that make it will make more sense. But for now, yeah, I, I completely agree with you with these three are like they're in their own particular kind of class and very much really related between each other, for sure, for sure. The next arrow that we have coming off of red actually kind of breaks the the trend that we've been talking about chronologically, but it is like the indie or alternative era of it all. So from red, we have an arrow that goes directly to folklore. And I think this makes a lot of sense when you look at the songwritery elements that exist on red and also in the red era. Whenever I think safe and sound, I think of just such a big connection between red and folklore. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think when when folklore was first announced, and we had those however many hours it was twelve hours or so in between, like the announcement and then the eventual release, um, all of the things and all, obviously all we had was track list, um, album cover, and name, um, and everyone was talking about Safe and Sound. They're like, this is just going to be an album full of like songs like Safe and Sound. Like, oh my god, so you know that was. Ev- all that anyone could kind of reference mm. because that was all that Taylor had ever really done that was similar in that sense. And and I think there's other songs on Red as well that are very similar, like A Sad Beautiful Tragic for me yep. is very kind of folklore and it's kind of yeah, the way it, that it's... it leans so, into... You know, it's very like My that, Tears Ricochet. Yeah, it does. It leans into the storytelling elements of like a lot of metaphor going on, a lot of visuals mm. going on, the train pulling away from the tracks yeah, and the comparing train, that yeah, to like exactly. an argument and a breakdown of a relationship. It is very folklore in that sense oh yeah 100 percent. and even mm. thing even things and we'll get into these later a bit more but even because i feel like there's also a backwards influence as well but mm-hmm. even things like nothing new which is obviously written for red does have a very kind of folklore sound to it kind of sonically and also lyrically but we'll get into the kind of backwards influence but for now we're working mm. down but yeah 100 percent that kind of indie storyteller um songwriter is definitely directly influences kind of folklore yeah 
I do feel it has its origin in red. However, another thing that we'd like to mention that I think I, I pushed for this connection a bit, but you can debate me <laughs> on it if you like. I also feel like debut is related to folklore. If if there's an arrow coming from red to folklore, we also have to add an arrow from debut to folklore because I feel like debut people don't realize that in debut there is a lot of telling stories from other perspectives telling stories of other people mm. telling stories of invented things which is exactly what she did in folklore obviously she's very diaristic yeah. as well we know this but there is a part aside to debut that is purely just like i'm just gonna talk about things that don't really pertain yeah. to me but are still exactly. interesting stories hmm yeah, because Taylor even said herself that, you know, she was like a 14-year-old. Obviously, she hadn't experienced all these kind of dramatic love stories and stuff that she was singing about. And often she would kind of get inspiration from movies, film, music. Um, and obviously things like Mary's Song is a direct yep. example. That is obviously not about her. It's about neighbours. Even things like Invisible and stuff she wrote when she was like 12, 13. Again, often about stuff that she was seeing and, you know, relating it to herself. But there was still and folklore is the same really a lots of yeah. it is stories that Taylor it's can a bit draw more from previous experience shrouded in in magic and mystery mm. but i definitely feel there is a big relation to what you're saying definitely for sure mm. yeah and you know and even kind of things like um tied together with the smile as well is kind of about someone else and i think that there is that link definitely 100 percent. and even slightly sonically in a sense like for me when i first heard betty the first thing i right. thought was mary you're right you're right i forgot about betty betty for a minute yeah definitely that's also a an influence and that teenage that teenage 16 there's lots of folklore songs like the love triangle that are about that kind of 16 17 year go. old okay teenage vibe that you know debut is that is the age of that that album is a 16 year old yeah and those kind of that love triangle are that age themselves so oh good that's 100 there is i'm link. glad we are on the same page then because i was a bit worried about that link specifically but <laughs> no i think it I, makes think sense. I think that it it seems it seems like weird, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, debut in folklore. So, so but far actually, away in when time. When you think about it, yeah, there definitely is a link. There is definitely one hundred percent. So then we have an arrow coming off of folklore and going into Evermore, basically because folklore and Evermore are sisters. Th these are the albums that started this whole idea. They're the albums that are the the linked ones. There is no debate towards yes. their connection. Taylor has made it quite clear. It makes sense sonically, lyrically, thematically. It all makes sense. They're just in intrinsically yeah, connected even, forever. Yeah, exactly. And even in a nerdy CD collector sense, the back and front covers are like the inverse of each other. Yeah. So yeah. they are even, even in packaging wise, are made to look very similar. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because even though that is the truth and we can't debate that, they do feel like two separate entities when you actually like properly sit down and explore them, which is basically what taylor said yeah they're sisters and they're very much related but evermore has sisters its own personality it's wilder yes it's a bit sadder it also has more hope to it whereas folklore is more grief stricken <laughs> it's very summer yes. evermore is very winter it's very interesting how that all works out yeah and I think, to be fair, we've we've gone into depth with it before, haven't we, about mm -hmm. how, yeah, folklore seems very sad in the moment, whereas Evermore seems to kind of tie up endings yeah, and I deal with that. endings a lot more. And um, and also was a very, whereas folklore kind of opened, it, it just opened this world for Taylor, didn't it? Evermore put a very good kind of like bookmark and opened into what came next very well. Mm. Um, even just with like what it ended with, with, you know, it's time to go. It was just a very good it yeah. closed off a chapter and they, they yeah. both did things where folklore opened, Evermore kind of closed and then, but they are just so sonically linked, but so different. It's weird that they are the same, but they are so vastly different for me still. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I love that she did make that connection and and, and did do a rele mm. release like this because not only was it extremely lucky for us to have two albums in one year, which was the first time that had ever happened at that point. Obviously, now we've been mm. spoiled in many other different ways. But yeah. I, yeah, it was just so interesting to see how something can be similar, but not at all like boring. I never found, I know some people might disagree and say it was a bit too much. They didn't want a continuation to folklore. That's fine. Everyone has different opinions and people probably would then not really enjoy this arrow spanning from red. They might enjoy a different arrow. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved that she expanded on the universe, the oh, basically yeah. her it's, Aaron it... Jack discovered and, and delved into. I love that. I love that we got Evermore. Oh, 100%. And I think 
also it then you know led into things like the vault which further expands Mm -hmm. you know the universe of albums and things like 3am editions or you know all the girls you love before and things like that that i love seeing what you know didn't make the cut and what was made around that time and influenced this and said this and did that it's just so fun to see the whole picture and not just a very kind of carefully selected version of it it's just fun to see what you know was just being created and was part of that kind of creative process so I, I love it and I think yeah Evermore is just such an incredible album and fairly good that's all I can say yeah no I agree and here's when we go into one of our first kind of like backwards influences in in the sense because it's mm. a bit of a convoluted re- relationship between them so this is one that you uh, picked up on and I think is so interesting so do you want to get into that yeah so basically I think what's interesting with this family tree is taking obviously we're taking into factor the Taylor's versions because now these are the versions of the albums that um, obviously as fans we should be consuming so I think pre-Taylor's version obviously this connection would never ever have linked and like I would have never ever linked evermore to probably anything yeah I think it really, would have kind of like your pre-Taylor's version yeah yeah 100% but with Fearless. Uh, Taylor's version specifically it was obviously created around the same time and after Evermore and Evermore uh, lyrically and sonically I believe really influenced the vault of Fearless and um, I just think the rewriting rewriting that was done on like Bye Bye Baby for example um, and just like sonically like on like Don't You and That's When mm. it's just so Evermore in its sound it and really I think is. that with without Evermore, if Evermore had never happened, I don't think that that sound would have existed in the Fearless Vault. And like you all over me, for example, it, it just it just to me, you could shove those as deluxe Evermore tracks, and I would generally have believed you and taken them as so. So I think that that's in factory Taylor's version, it is bonkers to think that like a song that we know was originally from so many years ago is so similar to her ninth studio album in the sense that the Mm. quality is still there yeah that's crazy exactly it just just shows it's madness but but 100 for me um standard fearless definitely not so no i agree for vault i think that there is definitely there is definitely a link and evermore is it definitely helped birth it was almost like a a surrogate oh my god (laughs) yeah i agree yeah yeah it it kind of it kind of like you know helped birth fearless but it it isn't actually its mother no it just you know it just brought yeah. in it brought the vault into the world but didn't really do anything major in terms of directly influencing. yeah fearless but, spent um, a winter with evermore and came back as fearless taylor's version basically yeah basically yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. basically spent the holidays with evermore and was like oh you know what actually yeah like this is my new personality now no I, I definitely agree and i love to see those kind of links because again it is a big indicator of where taylor's career basically led to like we started in one Mm. world we traveled to a very different world then to another one and the people that she worked with the sounds that she was consuming well it obviously affected the re-recordings of these original pieces of of art basically that were created many many years prior i love that so much Mm. and again even when it comes to visuals feelers is yeah and red and red red, yeah Mm. yeah they are direct influence off of evermore they are literally that photo shoot so they are intrinsically linked anyway and i think another link that i kind of hinted at Mm -hmm. going backwards as well is folklore to red i think for me the red vault was definitely influenced by folklore i think things like nothing new as i mentioned just sound so folklorian um, and just the collaboration is very, you know, exile and uh, hoax in its kind of sound. Um, so I think that uh, definitely links there. And I think uh, All Too Well 10 definitely had more of a folklore kind of sound in comparison to its original. Mm, yeah. Um, and then we obviously we have version. Like Sad Girl, Sad Autumn Girl. I can't get Autumn, yes. The version from, yeah, sad girl, autumn from version. the vault, from wherever. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they are, for me, those also linked, um, again, vault-wise. Um, I feel like standard album-wise, it seems red goes down to folklore, but vault-wise, I definitely think that folklore had a slight influence yeah. on red. And again, obviously, Taylor was recording these, again, similar time to folklore, ever more fearless, hence why they all are quite similar and i do weirdly see those three as like a bit of a kind of unit like i agree ever more yeah. fearless red yeah i think just, just aesthetically they, they look really good together 
and also they, yeah, they do exactly. kind of feel together in time and so we've discussed if you enjoyed the countryside of red where you could go we've discussed if you enjoy the indie alternative lyricism side of red where that led now we're going to discuss the third arrow that comes off of red which is the pop side of it all so think of you know we are never ever getting back together i knew you were trouble the very first night the very first night yes yeah, yeah you knew where i was going so these are like the yeah. big pop moments from red that led to basically chronologically and then we'll also get into that like literally as well how it led to it but just like sound wise it did lead to the big pop album which is the mother of all oh, other 100%. pop albums 1989 yes yes definitely there's it's so insanely linked as you said like just purely just from you know without the red era there is 99 would have never been born yeah. anyway but without her being able to explore those pop a more pop sound um 99 would have never really been allowed because obviously the success of that pop sound led to her thinking you know what let's just make the full jump into pop and just categorize it as totally pop and the only reference be pop definitely yeah it is that going straight towards pop running right towards it into its arms and just embracing it fully and yeah without red there is no 1989 it makes sense in many different ways like you just said you know exploring the genre but also as we all know if red hadn't have lost that grammy who knows where, where it would have led us so it led us directly into yes. 1989 luckily so definitely yeah interesting to and, see and that. as you've said and as you said, even though obviously we've kind of categorized Red as like the mother of the family tree, mm. 1989 is the, the mother of pop albums, yeah. of Taylor Swift pop albums. And like or everything post-1989 that is pop just is a, in some way 1989 influences or mm. just, you know, references in some way. It's just it's just interesting that 1989 then basically is like a has children of its own off <laughs> of Red. Yeah, which makes Red a, a grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> in some ways yeah, it makes sense yeah. it makes sense we'll get into it yeah. though um so from 1989 again we have a few arrows spanning and, and it gets a bit messy what's coming up but i think we should go chronologically mm. once again 1989 leads directly to reputation again there's no yes, other way 100%. they're so linked but mainly i don't i don't see this one as a lyrical link i don't see it as a thematic link no. i don't see it as anything no that way i see it literally as like an in real life without this there is no this yeah basically yeah reputation is the 1989 era like that's literally what it's you know discussing and that's what it's kind of referencing and um you know even things like uh this way you can't have nice things or the whole kind of gatsby element you know that was taylor swift's life so yeah it would it not reputation physically would not exist without 989 like it doesn't matter if it doesn't sound the same if it's not lyrically the same it just would not straight up exist without 989 and that era that entailed post that album yeah many of the themes that are explored in reputation are the end result of the the final that the 1989 era came to like how it came to a close led to many of the things that happened prior to reputation influenced reputation and then you know that's why reputation was born out of that horrible wreckage of of what became of the 1989 era in many ways which has now been reclaimed and i feel like now we can all look at 1989 in a different light after 1989 taylor's version which is just another oh, yeah, extra definitely. nice thing that came about thanks to the re-recording to be honest with you yeah definitely it is interesting how and this is slightly off piece but the re-records in general do recontextualize the eras and i think that especially for fans that weren't there and obviously taylor does kind of recontextualize them even in like the prologues mm. and obviously she sometimes recontextualized them in a very like hindsight way that's like mm, it wasn't really like that but you know it's cute to think of it like that yeah um, and sometimes it's like yeah that is very true you know there's elements and that happens with everything you know memories are kind of sometimes Subjective. misstrued and aren't maybe mm. what ex yeah exactly what happened but i think it is quite nice and sometimes it's quite nice to have them recontextualize and it's just interesting how then newer fans that weren't around during those eras how then they view that era from you know basically being mainly exposed to it from a taylor's version and then going back and exploring it because it's like it is just interesting when you were actually there and what yeah. really happened and what That's you know people's actually... real feelings were towards it really interesting if there's anyone listening that 
didn't experience the original 1989 era or never really had much of a connection to the 1989 album prior to Taylor's version coming out, let us know how you feel about the 1989 album without having that prior connection to it. Because that's an interesting yeah. thought, to be honest with you. And if you were there for both think, or enjoy both, let us know as well. Like, is there, how well. do you feel about it also, in hindsight? Hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I think also there's, it's going to be really interesting with Reputation Taylor's mm. version because when Reputation was released, it was not well received. Like, mm. critically, it didn't get a good response at all. It was totally misunderstood. It, it was, was seen as some sort of like, like manipulative revenge album, album. You know, it's not it revenge really album it really is you know and it to like and it just was you know like she just it it just hadn't it just wasn't what it is deemed now you know like everyone loves reputation now at the mm. time it just it was only loved and understood by fans it really was not loved or understood by the general public at all no. quite the opposite and it's only to like it was so successful the reputation tour where people kind of saw that no this album yes. isn't about this or that or the other it is mm. it to be fair much i different. think it was the it netflix... is a return to form in many ways mm. yeah I think it was the Netflix rep tour where people were like, oh, because that was one of the first times that people had actually really seen Taylor, you know, and yeah. like during the Reputation era, because no one had really seen her talk about it. So all they were seeing was what the media were giving them. And I think it's just so interesting well, this is it. how people now view Reputation. There will be no and I'll be so intrigued how... And Exactly, yeah. It, I, and I think it'll be interesting to see mm. how it then gets perceived with the Taylor's version because, right. and you know, what critically it gets perceived and what people right. like to say because it it was just not not what people make out you know like Definitely. it was not this big girl boss power moment at the time it was quite like it was quite the opposite it was taken as this like revengeful evil album that was you know just as kickback at Kanye West that was generally how it was yeah. seen whereas now thankfully it's been understood for what it actually was yeah I do think this is the we've said this before but it is one of the albums that it was ahead of its time in many ways, in themes, mm. in sound. And Jack Antonoff recently said in an interview late last year that Reputation goes off like it does. It really does. Oh, yeah, and it's nowadays, so good. Yeah. We realize that and it's going to be very interesting for it to have its own moment again. However, on the other hand, it is also interesting because certain elements from this album may be very much downplayed this time around because of obviously circumstances that happen in life. So <laughs> Taylor's yes. in a very different position, yes. shall we say, from the first time that Reputation mm. was released in many different ways, both in a personal and public life so yeah it's definitely gonna be interesting to see how again how people's perception the same as what we, what we were talking about for 1989 how people's perception or reputation changes and for us who were both there lived through it real time oh it's gonna be very yeah. interesting to see yeah oh yeah i love it i love seeing it recontextualized it's just fun Definitely. And speaking of reputation and going back to the connections between everything and anything, mm -hmm. we have, like we said, connected it from 1989 to reputation. But I also think that we can add another connection here from Speak Now to reputation. Yes, this was your suggestion. So yes. I, I, I want to hear your. It's always me with the weird stuff. For the connection. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I feel like Speak Now and reputation are just connected in my head because a lot of people who love speak now love reputation a lot of people who love yes. reputation love speak now and i think it's because in many ways there is a side to reputation that is very much i'm not going to hold back anymore i'm just going to say my piece i'm just going to again and there is speak there now. will be no other explanation they will just be reputation everything is stated in this album mm. and that's the same for speak now she promoted it as I was holding back things that maybe I wanted to say in the moment and I didn't say, which yeah. is very much 1989 era coded. And in this album, yeah. I am saying them, which is very much what reputation is in many ways. In other ways, mm. there's different aspects to it, which we'll get into that side of it in just a second. But no, I feel like yeah. reputation and speak now are related because of that also there is kind of like more of an angst vibe going on in some of the songs mm. more of like i feel like castles crumbling is extremely interesting oh yes 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 to yes, view yes, in the yes. light of reputation because it is the mini and especially reputation of it all yes especially with obviously who who basically you know obviously to be quite bare about it yeah and open yeah. and honest obviously like the vmas um, with Kanye West was obviously a big influence of some of the songs on Speak Now, like things like Castles Crumbling 
and innocent. like uh, innocent and then obviously reputation you know the main reason for reputation is because of what happened with Kanye West yeah um so it's just it is very interesting how yeah Castle's Crumbling is basically little does she know it a precursor to what is actually going to come because what she thought was going to come didn't really no um but it did many years later on. yeah interesting yeah yeah so that's how I view that and I'm glad that you kind of no I, I definitely get again. behind that I think that <laughs> yeah that yeah that the, the the kind of themes of the album with the whole like yeah say it this is what i'm saying i should have said it at the time i'm saying it now this is how i'm saying it definitely link between the two 100 and yeah even that kind of angsty like haunted uh better than revenge vibe is definitely in reputation it's all over it but you know i think yeah mm. they definitely do link before we move on to what comes after reputation i think we should give an honorable mention to a connection that many of us probably have drawn between Reputation and another album recently, just because of the situation that we are in right now, which is the debutation of it all. I love that. I yes. love that so much. I love how people have come up with debutation. I love this kind of like relation between debut and reputation being the last two left in the vault. This has got a lot to do also with Aleph Vernon's amazing, amazing art and the like the series oh, yes, and the gorgeous. worlds that he creates. Gosh, I. I how creative is that? But oh my god, it's they're the most gorgeous illustrations ever. And and to be fair, they they do impact how I relate albums and see them because mm. you know the illustrations are they do do that and they relate certain ones and certain ones get on with others. And yeah, seeing oh, no, I love know, that. Il illustrations of debut and reputation together hanging out is just like oh my god, yeah. How would sixteen year old debut Taylor take? reputation taylor and you know them kind of falling out a bit and it's just it, and then you know coming together as two and you know reputation is kind of looking after debut because you know it kind of knows oh, what's coming it, it, i do love that so kind sweet. of thing the personification it that is. he's made of these albums and the whole stories that he's making of like folklore and evermore and how they met love i love it i love it yes That's oh so lover's perspective of it all yeah, yeah so unbelievably creative so, but it's so funny because debut and reputation for me couldn't be out of every single one of these albums couldn't be further apart from each other right, like, okay. sonically thematically everything for me are so far apart but weirdly have now been kind of linked together because they're kind of the last two to get out and be taylor's versionified i don't know though because i do see like the relation like the same way as i see a relation somehow between speak now and reputation it could have gone the same way between debut and reputation in the sense that debut was not afraid to speak her mind she's got no. songs out here like picture to burn mm. the cut some of the cut songs from that album she was out here yeah r-o-v-n-g-e should yeah. have said no exactly oh and yeah and even like other uncut uh, other unreleased songs sorry like um who I've always been and stuff. They just have this sass about them that, yeah, she didn't care. Um, and yeah, so no, there is, I suppose, a little bit of a link that both of them didn't really care what they were saying. Oh, definitely. But yeah, no, I, I, I love that connection of, of debut and reputation together. And honestly, I'm devastated to think about um, Poor Little Debut, if Reputation is released next, which, you know, we're, we're guessing that it will be. And Poor Little Debut alone in there. All by herself. Baby her, Debut. But oh. to be fair, she's been here the longest, so yeah, hopefully she she's kind of the toughest now. Exactly. But anyway, moving on from that, whatever <laughs> that was. Um, another big connection, again, between everything. We are kind of, we've moved into a more of a chronological perspective as we've gone into these pop albums because they are very much related in mm. time as well. But I think Reputation and Lover have to be related. They just have oh, to. Yes. It's very yes. much same story, different side of the coin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's one coin, two different sides. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's it's looking at the same story, but from just, a, you know, from a negative, not a negative perspective, because it's still positive that what she sings about, but obviously from a, you know, when you're kind of, your stalk is down a bit to the total opposite when life, you know, you feel like you've escaped the tunnel a bit. Um, and you know it's a bit more colorful and pink <laughs> rather than yeah, all black and yeah, gray black and white is. Um, but they are the same like that, yeah. they are they are the same thing to me like rep lover is a continuation of reputation and would have never come around and obviously every album post the album that was you know like mm. every album that comes after an album obviously would have never come around if the one before hadn't but the experiences that reputation went through 
uh, that the Reputation Taylor story went through and the positive stuff that happened because of the Reputation era and the Reputation tour was then what made her want to create an album that was fun and happy and, you know, was a reflection of how she was feeling. And that's obviously how Lover and its aesthetics came around. You know, its aesthetics were born from that. Yeah, definitely. Lover and Reputation for me, I agree. They're very much in conversation with each other. Obviously, again, not to get too much into Taylor's personal life of it all, but many of the themes and topics which are related to where she was at that point in time. Who she was with. Yeah, yeah, they're very much connected. They go together. They're hand in hand. But like you said, one exists because of the other and the stories Mm. that they tell kind of go down two different paths in exploring different parts of that time in her life, different ways things went. Yeah, exactly. And and in terms of kind of the family tree element, obviously folklore and evermore we've distinguished as, you know, as Taylor has distinguished herself and is very clear, our sisters. Would you say the same about Reputation and Lover? How would you see them as a family tree element? Oh, I don't know. I've seen people discuss this before as like folklore and evermore are Mm. sisters that love each other and Reputation and Lover are sisters that despise each other. The fallen out, yeah. (laughs) Which is, it's kind of, I don't know, in a way it's a bit like that, but... Mm. I always, when I describe them, I've said this a couple of times now, I do feel like they're like two different sides of a story, which is a bit strange. Yeah. But I don't know. I think before you were saying cousins or something to me, right? Yeah, maybe maybe like cousins. But more then I distant feel like, from each other in a way. Yeah, but I feel like cousins, there's an element of cousins that they don't know each other very well. You know, okay. there's an element of distance, whereas Reputation and Love, know each, they know each other well but they are just so vastly different. Isn't it so crazy maybe... to look at reputation next to lover? Mm. That... Just, even just visually. Yeah. It's even just, just so the album weird, covers. really, isn't it? Like to see that. They're just so vastly different. You never and... one would go to another, you know? No, and then lover exactly. to, and... to folklore is the same, really. But Yeah, exactly. Then she, then she goes, yeah, black and white again. Um, it's Yeah, it's, I, think, I think to be fair, that's a good analogy, is that they are maybe sisters that just don't get along because they're because, estranged you know, one, yeah, yeah yeah it's almost because because they've, they've had the same experience but one's had a more positive outcome that mm. the other is almost slightly jealous of the other and they just don't really mm. like each other because of that which is a, this is all getting a little weird these are albums you know yeah, we are yeah. not crazy we're just on creating that, but, you know, stories for all this is all just for fun this is all yeah. just for fun yeah, don't, yeah we're all good you know these are albums we understand that but it's just interesting. And speaking of a lover, I think we also have to mention, again, another connection towards her previous, previous bodies of work. Because I do think, again, like the Speak Now Reputation one, like the debut folklore one, this is just interesting. Mm. I've always felt like Red and Lover are so similar in so many ways. Oh, yeah. Like oh, Red yeah. is just like the heartbreak of it all and Lover is the lovey-dovey romanticism of it all. That is what it is, really. They're both very long oh. albums. They're both extremely eclectic albums. Both of them yeah. show hints of what is coming next. Both of mm-hmm. them have this... I I always compare All Too Well and Corning the Street in my head because All Too Well and Corning the Street are, again, very similar songs, but with very different endings to them. Yes, yes. I yes, don't know. I yeah. couldn't agree more. Okay, I good. couldn't agree Thank more. You. Yeah, as you, as you said, they are like sonically eclectic yeah and i think it's also interesting when you look at the promo of lover like the promotion of lover is totally paired with red for obviously for example with daylight you have the lyric um i want to believe love will be burning red but it's golden obviously a direct reference to a line from the song red but i think what's also interesting going back to what we were saying is there's also a reference on daylight to reputation with i want to believe love will be black and white um so it's interesting that both of these that we are kind of linking is because of mentions within the album itself but i Mm. think even just the general promo for red every performance that taylor did even when it was only three or four songs that she was doing there was always a red song that she played you know she wasn't playing like the hits like blank space or shake it off you know she was playing holy ground um, holy ground the song red all too well which at the time was not a single and was not anywhere near what it is now you know she was referencing previous songs that seem to be slightly referenced or you know linked to lover and i think that taylor herself maybe saw that link Mm. um to red and i think that yeah they for me they are they are linked because of that even just the way that lover was promoted alongside red 
it's just so interesting. And as you said, they, in terms of just being, I think what's also interesting is that they all also both lead to a Grammy album of the year. Like Red wow, obviously was so very kind of yeah. very kind of chaotic in its sound and, you know, was experimenting with new things and was a bit of a kind of breakaway from what she'd done before. Then obviously what then came next was this incredibly sonically cohesive, well planned out, perfect polished pop album. Then obviously yeah. Lover again was this kind of breakaway from Big Machine, a very, very sonically eclectic, you know, she was exploring everything. And then again, what then came next was this mm. kind of total breakdown of that the opposite almost of what 90 to 9 was rather than a perfect polished it was just like let's just go back to basics let's just go back to what i know let's just go to songwriting and make it about that and obviously then came folklore and an album winning a grammy album of the year winning album so it's just interesting yeah. i think they are they are very similar yeah even though obviously they are very 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 different yeah i mean they're miles apart but at the same time like you said it's interesting to see all those parallels between them and how she even picked up on that and kind of like mm. delved into the Red era before we even got Red Taylor's version or any semblance yeah. of any of that. So, no, I definitely agree with you. It's interesting to see that rela relation as, as well, yeah. And I guess that leads us to the last album on our tree. Yes. The last album chronologically, if we think of it as, you know, main releases, the 10 studio albums. And in a way, Midnight's could have been related to almost every single album. On, on the tree, yes. if you think about it, if yes. you break down song by song, there is a and little... And we've done a whole episode basically about that. Yeah, yeah, we have. So if you want to check that out, where we go more in depth of every single song and how it's related or where, it, you know, what album it's related to, what album that music could have been on uh, if it weren't on Midnight's, you can check that out. We'll link that as well. But no, yeah, in a way, Midnight's could have been related to every single thing, but we decided to just have like parents <laughs> the mm, parents yes. of midnights that lead to midnights the two biggest influences i think on midnights which is funny when you think of it how this has all worked out and how these two are the ones that we're going to discuss that lead to midnights i think some people will definitely agree with this thought and other people will be very opposed to this thought mm. Mm. but let us know yes. what we've done is we've kind of given 1989 and lover both arrows that converge and go towards midnights and between them, they kind of like create what Midnight's is, which is interesting because yes, I, we yeah, could have linked I, I it to many agree. different ones. Mm. Yeah, you could you could link it to like reputation. Lots of people you could pull on like vigilante shit kind of vibe um, is obviously kind of reference mastermind. That kind of vibe feels very reputation in in a sense. There's also elements of like you know like the three AM editions. You could definitely link back to things like Evermore, but yeah. I think that. When you look at Midnight sonically, um, and just, I just, there's just the vibe of the era, the album. For me, it just is Lover and 989, just, you know, mashed together. Birth to child. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 989, sonically, the way it was promoted, the big promotion mm. of it all. I don't know the people who Mental she worked success. with. Obviously, Jack Antonoff yeah. being the big, the big collaborator. Yeah. I don't know, yeah, the aesthetics. And I think this is one of those backwards connections as well that we discussed with Evermore influencing Taylor's version of Fearless, uh, Folklore influencing Taylor's version of uh, Red. I do feel like Midnight influenced Taylor's version of 1989 in the same way that 1989 oh, influenced Midnight's. Yes, definitely. I think definitely that Midnight's had a massive effect on the 1989 vault. Um and it does, you know, they do, it definitely, definitely, definitely impacted it. And it is just, yeah, it's interesting how, it's weird, it's almost like, um, like, how, say with like 989 was like, it was her exploration of pop, like she was like, this is mm. me going fully fledged pop. Obviously Midnight's came off the back of two indie folk albums. Mm. And Midnight's was almost like a return to pop of like, you know, this is... I'm going to show, like, Bejeweled, you know, That's I'm going to show them. I'm still I'm still yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm still a pop sign. It's almost like she went back to what would be deemed as, like, the pop album, the perfect kind of pop albums, like Lover, 989, and kind of, you know, re-referenced them on Midnight's. And, um, yeah, just, it definitely is for me. It is definitely intrinsically linked to Lover, 989, and weirdly influences 989 in itself with the 
Taylor's version. Yeah, and then I think it also has to be related to Lover in many different ways. Just because Lover was quite a big pop album as well, you can't argue with that. Mm. It was a, it is a big pop staple. Hits like Cruel Summer are literally kicking off, kicking off. Oh yeah, out of the charts. Other more recent hits because and then suddenly like Cruel Summer has been nominated for like loads of iHeart Awards. It's crazy to see, honestly. Yeah, a song from twenty nineteen be yeah exactly like a five. Nearly like a five-year-old song. Oh, crazy to think. Is, you know, doing that. It's just bonkers. And it's being, you know, received as if a it's a brand new song. Yeah, I definitely think the work that Taylor did with Jack on Lover very much influences and is kind of like evolved into the work that yes. she does with him on Midnight's. Lavender Haze 100%. being right yeah. there. That sound. Yeah. That, exactly. that appears throughout Midnight's. But then, like you said, I do think another honorable mention of a connection is folklore and evermore with midnights because especially those 3am tracks but like sweet yes. nothing labyrinth they do remind yeah. me of that sound as well no yeah 100 like but i do think yeah the 3am 100 i would link more to evermore i'd say like okay. the great war to me high infidelity feel very evermore in the way that they're kind of described you know they feel slightly uh like experimentally uh, mm, yeah yeah experimentally slightly closure right okay i see like, that um a long story short that kind of they have that kind of sonic yeah sound to them, i can see me. where you go with that yeah definitely yeah okay so we've now come to the end of this family tree hopefully we kind of made it clear um and we made some sense but yeah. please do comment down below let us know you know how you link the albums if we made any if we made some connections that you were like no big fat no what are you doing or did we miss any that you think no this is 100 this please let us know in the comments give all your reasonings we want to hear it we want to see we love things like this it's just fun to it really kind of is just do yeah just do stuff that just you would never like this is a conversation i would never have with anyone because they'd probably turn around to me and think i'm crazy how could you um, they'd be like after 10 minutes they'd be like okay that's enough now <laughs> okay yeah go away you know it's a bit like that meme you know of that like kid with the old lady and it's like let's you know get back you back in your bed you know yeah <laughs> um, like, uh, uh, yeah his mother <laughs> exactly yeah red and love are intrinsically linked i promise it's like okay nan let's go back to bed oh um, um so yeah please please let us know all your thoughts because we'd love to hear it and um we love doing stuff like this this is kind of we kind of came off the back really of um everyone's love for um taylor swift albums as seasons mm. and i think it's really fun to look at kind of themes that maybe aren't ever really discussed but if you did enjoy as we said let us know in the comments give us your thoughts but please also subscribe to us on youtube and give this um, video if you are watching on youtube a thumbs up if you're listening over on apple or spotify then please also rate us if you did enjoy and make sure to follow us over on instagram as well just to keep up with um new announcements when episodes come out and if you are interested in following us over there then our handle is at swiftly spoken podcast but as ever thank you so much for listening hopefully you enjoyed and we'll see you all soon